So Star Wars is a very weird movie. Yeah, in a good way, though. Well, no, I you know, like it. Uh, well, that's a, wow, I like it. That's a revolutionary <laughs> concept. Nobody likes Star Wars. No, but, you know, what, what, uh, yeah, this is, Star Wars is a weird thing to just suddenly jump into, you, you know, know well, because there was Star Wars, the original movie, as you know, my, that my parents saw in the theaters in 1979, that I saw when I was 77, 77, that I saw when I was a kid, you know, and all of that, you know, there was Star Wars, you know, the jug- juggernaut franchise that is this long saga that you know has this whole expanded universe there are video games there are six movies now you know star wars became a very different thing when we were in high school because no it absolutely did i mean you know and we'll we'll talk about all of that i mean you know for for people that have listened to track about for a long time you know that that we talk about the culture surrounding things we talk about the sort of backstory we talk about um politics we talk about you know sociological factors and we also you know do analysis of of the actual you know thing that we're watching but it's a lot of fun you'll love it oh you'll it's fantastic you'll have a good time you know, and I think that it's interesting because when I sit down to watch something for, for a podcast, you know, I really do try and look at it with fresh eyes. I really yeah. do try and sit down and, and, and pay really close attention to it, you know, take notes about things that I want to talk about or things that strike me about it perhaps that I had never noticed before. And you know, you're right. I mean, Star Wars is is such a, a thing. And, you know, now look, Star Trek was such a thing, too, of course, but well, well, and I think maybe that's a good way to get into it before we actually start talking about the actual movie, which of course is is quite good, but also is is quite weird. I think that that you know, there's always this kind of weird thing about Star Trek and Star Wars fans, and I just don't see it. I mean, you know, my my sort of backstory with Star Wars is that I actually was quite into Star Wars when I was a teenager. This was in the in the mid '90s, right? And I remember going, you know, the the 20th anniversary of Star Wars was in 1997. You know, I remember going to see uh, all three of the original trilogy movies in the theater, you know, when they were re-released, you know, before the prequels came out. And it was was a phenomenon. I mean, I was reading the novels, you know, and then I think once The Phantom Menace came out, it just destroyed, I mean, it really did destroy Star Wars for me. Now, part of that probably had to do with the fact that I was also 18 and my interests were shifting. You know, I've obviously stuck with Star Trek, um, but I just don't, I think that in in my opinion, it seems to me that Star Wars fans uh, uh, seem to have a rivalry that's kind of like a Boston New York rivalry where Boston thinks that there's a rivalry in New York is like what are you talking about yeah because Star Trek <laughs> fans frankly i mean they th- either they think Star Wars is fine they don't like it but they don't care that other people like it or they really like it and i think that they don't really you know i from my own personal experience with Star Trek fans and going to cons and talking to them and being in Star Trek groups and things like that i just really don't see that there's any kind of rivalry okay. now i don't really get Star Wars but that's fine well and this, know, is, and this is kind of my attempt to get Star Wars in a way. So I guess since you talked about your background, my I don't have quite as an extensive of a history with Star Wars that you do. I mean, I've seen the original, you know, we, you know, both Eric and I were kids in the 80s. So I've seen the original a billion times. I had some toys, you know, when I was, you know, I've seen Empire and Jedi much fewer than I've seen the original movie. Um, and I've never seen any of the prequels. Um Really? You've never seen any of them? That's surprising. Well, How did you avoid it? Well, honestly, um, I was, in 1999, I was a 16-year-old kid working at McDonald's, which was heavily promoting all of this shit. And, you know, it was just the marketing was so overwhelming that I thought, you know, fuck this. I have no interest in it. I was, yeah. It was the kind Which of is a character where, trait that has remained consistent with Richard over time. He's, no, when I get too saturated like with something, I just don't want to bother with it. So, um... And then it didn't, you know, it doesn't feel like it's mine in the way that the, you know, that Star Wars, that, you know, Jedi and Empire are, you know, mine. Like, I have cousins who now they're, I guess, you know, the oldest is like 22, but I mean, they were, they were, you know, late childhood, you know, early, you know, teenager, you know, when the prequel trilogies were coming out and like, that's their movie, you know, that's well, their series. And so it just, uh, it just feels like a younger generation Star Trek. To me. Yeah. And I think that's actually a really good way to put it because I think that, that, you know, my story is kind of an odd one. You know, I mean, I, again, you know, like I was really into Star Wars when I was a teenager and I was reading novels and stuff, but you know, if you weren't kind of like a bookish nerdy teenager, 
there was really nothing out there for you. I mean, yeah, yeah everybody knows Star Wars and they knew Star Wars in the 90s, but you know, and Star Wars was legit a cultural phenomenon back then, but yeah. it was also a very defined one. You know, there were novels, which is kind of, you know, that's uh, to use the British term, that's very anarchy. You know, it's like not everybody yeah. is going to be reading novels. There were the three movies, and that was it. Everyone's, I mean, you know, that, that I always got the sense everyone saw the three movies and loved the th- sure. three movies. And, you know, I, I will say watching, you know, trying to watch Star Wars, and, and that's a thing. I will never call it A New Hope. I will never call it Episode Four. I will always just reflexively call it Star Wars. That's what it is to me. You yeah, know? that the which, same, which, same thing to me. Which, you know, which says a lot, but, um, you know, I see why Star Wars the movie was a huge fucking hit. You know, it really is kind of one of those movies that – you know, a lot of people can find something to enjoy about it, you know? Yeah. My, my, my parents, you know, have told me when they went to see, you know, my mom doesn't really like science fiction stuff. My dad loves it, you know? So the two of them went into the theater and he's loving, you know, the space battle at the beginning. And my mom, you know, was like, I I don't know if, you know, I really get into this, but then, you know, right. Once, you know, Luke came into, you know, so they figured, all right, we'll give it the 20 minutes, you know, and that's around when Luke comes into the picture. And from then she, you know, really, and, and, and you know, Princess Leia, and she got, she got really into it at that point. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, you know, she, she loves the movie too now, you know, and every, you know, everyone has, it has, it's a broad enough movie that it is, you know, I, again, I see why it became a phenomenon. It makes sense to me. And I also, you know, I also think that, you know, as we work our way through through the, the six movies, well, the seven movies, really, you know, and, and our, our plan for this is, is to watch, um, you know, all seven. You know, this is coming out six weeks before the the, the launch of uh, the new, you know, seven episode seven or whatever it is with the J.J. Abrams movie. You know, so, so we're going to be doing all six. We're doing them in release order. We're not doing any sort of weird, you know, whatever those, you know, people on the internet write about, watch it in a certain order. Don't watch episode one. Watch episode one first. You know, burn the prequels. Yeah. You know, it's like they exist. We'll watch them. I mean, you know, Trek about is completest, and so this will be completest as well. So we have at to least... watch the Clone Wars show and all of that? No, we're not watching that. We're just doing the movies because <laughs> I don't want to watch it. Uh, Maybe I'll watch it. That, that you know, I think that people forget that, that Star Wars – the the original movie was was an experiment you know yeah. this was a director who had had a couple of you know well THX eleven thirty eight wasn't a hit I think American Graffiti was a legit hit uh, but but he kind of used his, you know George Lucas used his credibility with American Graffiti and his sort of like cachet that he got from that to make what he wanted to make which was an homage to the old you know serials yeah. of the forties and you know. Looking at it in that context, Star Wars is a really effective movie. I also think that, you know, if you look at what it has become, uh, it's it's a good example of less is more. I definitely agree with that. We do. I mean, we should we should put the caveat out there that we watched, you know, the original theatrical version uh, I, I don't care for the the you know weird CGI crap and all the the changes they made and things like that. I mean, you know, and I think that there are real story implications, you know, surrounding things like, well, you know, Han Solo actually didn't shoot Greedo and blah blah blah. You know, uh, so from my view, I would say um, I think there is a very yeah, I wanted to see this, you know, I wanted to see the exact movie that, you know, when I was seven and I wanted to see Star Wars that I would have seen. Um, I think there is something very, uh, to me, I like that continuity. You know, I've seen the extended version. It's a different movie to me, you know. It's yeah, absolutely. Same thing. So, I mean, I, I, I think this is, this more than Star Trek for me has a lot of nostalgia as part baked into the package. I mean, I think it was deliberately created to with that in mind i mean there, there is a lot of this movie that is very primal you know oh yeah and yeah which which is again where most of its effectiveness comes from but um you know star wars is attempting to create myths in a way that star trek is not yes i think so i mean you know star trek for for all of its faults i think is is supposed to just be a dramatic television series in a way that star wars is not supposed to be star trek is about things in a way that star wars isn't i mean i think star wars is supposed to be entertaining yeah and i mean it's it's it has a very you know a strong good versus evil message but i mean you know i i want to say star wars feels more for kids in and i don't mean that in a 
way to dissuade it. I mean, Star Wars is a movie that I loved when I was seven, that when my dad saw it when he was, you know, in his 20s for the first time, you know, that just grabbed that seven-year-old of his, you know, yeah. in, in him. Same with me. You know, my inner seven-year-old is and, – and there's something really nice about it because it's also not an – it's not an insulting movie. Whatever it is, it's not an insulting movie. It's not kitty in any way. It's the kind of, you know, you can still get the thrill of adventure from it, you know. Well, I think I think that, you know, and we'll we'll obviously, you know, get more into talking about the the movie itself, but I but I think to maybe move, you know, to to kind of go in that direction. One yeah. of the what what I really think that you're you're sort of getting around is but not actually saying outright is, you know, in a culture and in a sort of society and in a sort of subculture which you know, uh, 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 Star Wars, I think, is popular amongst people that that, you know, don't have don't have religion, I think, in a lot of cases. And mm. and, you know, I think that what you see is and you see this a little bit in Star Trek and you see this in a lot of different things. I think that that the, the general love for this kind of of, you know, fantasy or science fiction. I mean, you see this with Tolkien, you see this with a lot of things, you know, is really a desire to connect with something on a fundamental level and to believe in something. Yeah. And I think that's why. You know, watching this from 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 afar, watching this as someone who's not a Star Wars fan, you know, I think that it's interesting to see all of the debates and all of the 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 real arguments that people have over, you know, all the changes that were made to the movies and yeah. and you know what order to watch them in and 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 you know what's what's the new ones going to be and you know all the you know they they decanonized all of the novels and isn't that terrible yeah. or isn't that great and this really sounds to me like arguments over sacred texts yeah 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 um of of, over you know uh, which which texts are apocryphal you know at this point i mean canon you know is a biblical term is a a religious term absolutely that that it's used as you know almost ironic in that way you know and and i think for for someone like me who's not that interested in canon and star trek i mean you know there there is a very clearly defined you know star trek canon it is the tv shows and movies except for the animated series uh, and the but holiday it, special. There's no holiday. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That's Star Wars. <laughs> but but and we're not watching that either. Um but for the most part, I don't really care that the novels of Star Trek aren't canon. I don't care that the animated series isn't canon. They're in, they're entertaining. Some of them are better than others. But if if they if, and the, and you know the the people that write Star Star Trek uh, uh, or did write Star Trek I should say not anymore I think well to some degree they still are but I think that they're they're willing to take things from things that aren't canon if it suits their purposes and yeah there's a- and I pre- personally prefer that method of a very non fundamentalist view of entertainment frankly I mean you know I don't. I don't and, know. I don't know if we want to get into the trappings of religion very much, but you well, know. and I think that's maybe maybe one of the reasons why Star Wars turns me off a little bit because yeah. I because I feel like I just don't really. I don't know. It just it, it it it's fundamentally sort of disagreeable to me. That sort of thing. you know, to me as somebody who was raised Catholic and we went through Catholic school, like can it? You know, the Bible is a suggestion. You know, the the, the it's not interesting for its literal everything lining up it doesn't matter that the bible doesn't line up because there are certain deeper truths for me it doesn't matter if all of star wars lines up or not you know i know there's a but, lot of, there's a well, lot that's... there's a lot of debate over the whole well you know people trying to square the well you know he says that darth vader killed your father you know and this and you know if he isn't really his uncle what does he mean and you know is he talking about this and it doesn't really matter because the point of that movie isn't about you know the, the, the about Luke's p- 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 Luke. the point of the movie isn't about Luke's paternity at this point you know it's more about his you know his call to heroism and about his you know learning to grab his destiny and you know going out into an old, a new world you know and all of those kind of things you know in the later movies when you know Darth Vader being his father becomes more important and in the prequel trilogy when the series shifts to becoming the about this character of Anakin and his Anakin and his you know fall and eventual redemption. Yes, then it's important. It, it doesn't bother me if it's slightly different from one thing to another because, well, I don't really care. I care about the larger themes, and I guess that's to me why it doesn't really. And I get, but that's it. But I think you said something really profound and didn't realize it though, which is that that's my usual thing. What 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 is the deeper truth of Star Wars? Like I, I don't know that there is one. I, I mean, mean it's, certainly it's, I think it was designed to to be entertaining to tell a story to sort of like you know harken back to all of these myths and things like that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I, it's a good and evil. It's a fa- it's it's 
it's it's about the same truth as a myth. Now, there's a lot been there. There's been a lot written about you know Joseph Campbell and that influence on the you know on on the movies and all of that. And yeah, you can de- you can definitely see this. This is an epic along the lines of a Gilgamesh or a Beowulf or something like that. And to a degree, well, what's the point of Gilgamesh? But as it's a- to show some of the values of that society, sure. And we see certain values in Star Wars that good triumphs over evil, that people can be redeemed, you know. All of those kind of things, you know, in the first movie, Han Solo is all about money, but he eventually learns something is more, you know, all it, it has a lot of generic, nice themes to it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but at the same time, though, there's a paternalism to the movie that I find kind of objectionable. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that there's, it, it's very much a believer in the great man theory of history, it's, it's, which, it's, it's which a, is also problematic, I think. Yeah. You know, and so to me, I, there, there are, I'm not, I'm not unwilling to criticize the movie because I, I do can't think, say it's problems. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, to go to go into some of the characters in the movie, I, I think that, you know, the thing that strikes me about it and the thing that struck me about it on this this watch of the movie is that it's it's very slow and yeah. and it's very, very episodic. Yeah. In in an interesting way. I mean, you it's know, it's a very meandering movie. It's yeah, exactly. And I think it, it you know, it, a lot has been written and a lot has been said. And it's sort of de rigor at this point to say that, you know, this George Lucas was inspired to, to make this movie because he was a fan of, you know, the action serials of the 40s. And, you yeah. Know, yeah, that's all true. But but it is. I mean, I think to a real literal degree, he kind of there are episodes in this movie and they they're they have defined beginnings, yeah. middles and ends. And then the thing moves on and you never go back to that. Yeah. And which the other movies I don't think do as much i mean i you know i don't know i i don't remember them as well but you know uh one of the i like this movie because it is one of those i mean there 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 was a very and a lot of it was kicked off by this movie but i love movies like the dark crystal and krull and all of that where it's just kind of half the point of the movie is to just show off a setting and you have this you know epic journey through a you know, thing, and we're just going to show off some cool sets and stuff. Sure. And so, yeah, you know, this movie is very meandering because, you know, now, yes, as as the series, as the franchise moved on, the world building got further and further in, you know, and much more. This is much more sketchy in this one, but they we're on this planet of Tatooine, you know. They want to show it off. They want to show some of the things that happened there, you know. The whole bit with the sand crawler and all of that and then going through the desert, like, I think one of the reasons I don't really I don't really watch movies now, and I'm not looking forward to the seventh movie because it's going to be a J.J. Abrams Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. And I don't like those. I first... I could I can follow the action in this movie. I can't follow action in any of the movies that have come out in the past few years. I just... They're too quick cuts. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um... But and I also know there's not going to just be these random chapters where nothing really of significance is happening, but they're showing off something cool or it's, you know, just atmospheric or something like that, you know, or it's, you know. Well, I mean, you know, if you really want to get into the montage theory of filmmaking, we can, but but I don't think that anybody out there really wants us to do that. I don't know what it is. Well, the montage theory of filmmaking uh, was Eisenstein, I believe, and that that was basically the theory that defined the cut. And so, okay. you know, I mean, I'm going back. I'm going back on half remembered things from grad school from you know 15 <laughs> years ago at this point. But uh, you, you know, so so someone out there can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. But you know, the the, the cut is the fundamental sort of building block of, of cinema, and and you know the ways that you use the cut and the way that 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 cuts have become shorter and shorter over time and the way that they've become uh, hyperkinetic you yeah. know oh, you know this is something that is that is well understood and so uh, uh uh attention spans and 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 things like that but it's more of a visually interesting thing um it it's it is more difficult to follow i agree with you something like transformers or something like you that you know but there's a there's a very specific reason for that which is that it's it's much more of a modern blockbusters are much more going for um emotion and a sense of what is happening as opposed to actually making something that's easy to follow and there's also things about most of hollywood's money is coming from the foreign markets now and so they, they don't spend as much time you know on plot which is also a large part of that um but I also think that, frankly, you know, 
movies couldn't they couldn't have made star wars like that right i no. mean there's a reason why the direction in star wars feels languorous there's a there's a reason why all of the special effects are 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 slower in scope and, and smaller in scale because yeah. they just they couldn't do the kinds of things that filmmakers can do now there is a very uh yeah again there's a languorousness to a lot of star wars or very it's a very I mean, it's a movie I always feel very comfortable with. I guess that's it's 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 putting on Star Wars, you know. I mean, we we've talked about how you know that whole having a good day, watch you know, celebrate with Star Trek, having a bad day, celebrate with Star Trek. Like Star Wars is one of those movies that I'll watch. I'm having a really bad you know week. I'm just gonna watch Star Wars. You know why the hell not? Like, and it's yeah, and it's interesting that you, that you have that relationship with it because I I don't yeah. Like, you know, the movie, actually, I like it. I think that it's fun, but it's not something that I revisit. It's not something that I yeah. watch a lot. I mean, before watching it for, for this, I don't think I had seen it in, I don't know, maybe two or three years. Yeah, and I don't, like, I know that, you know, Empire Strikes Back is the better film, you know, and, but I've seen the original more times than I can count, you know, and I really like, I don't know, I, I do really like the movie, I guess. As is your right as an American. Yeah, um... The beginning of the movie, I think, is really interesting because, you know, what what Lucas is doing is is sort of uh, establishing a world and establishing a relationship among some characters. Uh, uh, You know, it's a I mean, it's a movie like I think that, that, you know, we don't do a lot of of uh, visual analysis or, or sort of talking about direction and stuff when we talk about Star Trek, because frankly, it's just, you know, for the most part, it's not relevant. Yeah. Um, you know, the direction in Star Trek movies is more workmanlike than anything else. The direction in television at that point was more workmanlike than anything else. Um, and certainly there are television shows now where directors are doing a lot of really interesting things. But but as a general rule, television, I don't think was a, a, a visual medium in the way that film was probably until the advent yeah. of, of high definition. So, you know the 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 opening of the movie. Well, the, I mean, if yeah. you if you if you look at this, and it's it's hard to remember what movies looked like before Star Wars, and 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 what these sorts of 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 science fiction space movies looked like before Star Wars. But you know, there there's a lot of. I mean, there are famous examples of George Lucas really sort of pushing the envelope in terms of you know shooting the special effects with like moving cameras while moving the actual models. I mean, that was something yeah. that wasn't really done before. That's how you get a lot of the depth of field of a lot of the special effects in this movie. And, you know, when the movie opens, uh, uh, it, it it does feel like you're being told, a, you know, framing The first it, few moments of that movie, I mean, are, are iconic. Like right well, from the second, you know, you see the logo, you hear that. I mean, the one thing that I think everybody agrees about about Star Trek is that the music is fantastic. I mean, there is, you know... You have that text crawl, and then you have that ship. You mean sequ- Star Wars? Star Wars. I'm sorry, I get them all confused. <laughs> um, you have the title, you have that text crawl, and then you have that ship sequence, and that's the first few things you see in the movie. Yeah, and I think that you know it, it's framing it as a story taking place a long time ago and galaxy yeah. far, far away. Obviously, paints paints it as some sort of fairy tale or, or something like that. You know, this this is not this is framing it. It's it's a very deliberate f- framing effect to make it. Uh, uh, not a, a real thing. Yeah, you it's know, an to, invocation like Once Upon a Time. Exactly. And, you know, it sets up the world very quickly. I mean, it's interesting, actually, I think, how poorly written it is. Like, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> not it's not great prose by any stretch of the imagination, but it doesn't matter. No. Um, I mean, especially when you're, go- again, you're going into this movie as a pastiche of science fiction. You know, right. this is every science fiction story you've ever loved, you know, as cool as you remember, as you remember it being. And so, you know, yeah, it begins with this, you know, pulp text crawl because, you know, the serials of the forties had these, you know, this is what's going on. And, you know, I mean, I do, it's one of those things because I think that this movie doesn't use color as much as empire strikes back perhaps Mm. in return of the Jedi. But, you know, obviously, you know, Darth Vader comes in and he's all black and he's the bad guy, you know, um, the stormtroopers are in white, though. That's kind of an yeah, interesting the, choice. And, and frankly, the people in the ship that are being attacked are wearing dark colors, black and gray as well. Um, but, you know, that said, and, and then we see some of, you know, Darth Vader's troops at the end wearing all black. Um, the thing is, you know, I don't think they're doing an explicit color coding that much. Yes, there's a little bit of... Yeah, you no, know, I don't Luke, think so Luke either. Usually, you know, but... 
every it is a very stark movie. I mean, you know, if you've seen THX one one three eight, it's a very monochrome movie. And for a lot, I think that's the same feel he's going for here. It's not a black and white movie, but you know, it, it, it's almost taking some of that starkness, especially in the space sequences, especially on the Death Star. And frankly, that makes the whole tattooing segments pop more because everything's orange now yeah absolutely and i think that you know your eye is drawn towards you know c3po for example because he's very shiny and gold you know and 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 it's also r2d2 has this shocking blue you know that's nowhere else and i and i think it's it's very interesting to spend so much time early on in the movie on the droids like because they're not in a, in a, in a real sense, the the droids are kind of, I don't know, they're they're our way into this story. They're, they're a MacGuffin. Almost. They're not. Well, no, I don't even mean that. I just mean like in terms of like the actual literary device. Yeah, they're yeah, kind yeah. of like they're not telling. They're almost, they're almost like the narrators. Like they're telling us the story. It's kind of a. I mean, to a degree, the. I mean, I I, I looked. Luke doesn't appear until seventeen minutes into a two hour movie. You right. Know? The first 17 minutes are a prologue almost, you know, their yeah. backstory. I mean, the movie could have begun with just Luca on the moisture farm and, you know, and then he meets these droids and then they start telling their backstory. But we've already all seen that. I mean, it's frankly a much more uh, effective and uh, a dramatic way. I mean, because, again, you begin the movie with that amazing shot of this gigantic thing attacking this, you know, ship and – you know, the appearance of Darth Vader, who becomes one of, you know, the world's most iconic villains. You know, again, we talk about myths. Darth Vader is, uh, you know, a mythological figure. You know, in 2,000 years from now, you know, they will be studying is that, you know, they'll be studying Darth Vader like we study Beowulf, you know? Well, we'll all be dead because climate change, but well, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that, that you know, it's interesting, actually, that, that kind of, you know, dovetails into something else that I wanted to talk about, which is that the movie feels very small in a yeah. way. And Darth Vader feels small in this movie. Uh, you know, I he, think he I... doesn't feel... He doesn't feel like Darth Vader. Well, I think I've read that he has only nine minutes of screen time in the entire movie. I, I believe I, I, You know, and it, it is, I mean, certainly you've got, you know. I mean, certainly he's a very striking presence. Certainly he's very. He's voiced by visually, James Earl Jones. I mean, you you, 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 you did get a, you won't. Not giving that great of a performance, though, I have no. to say. I mean, you know, I don't think that. And that's kind of what I'm getting but at. It's like think, this. Yeah. No, it's effective. I'm not saying it's not. No, good, no, 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 no. What just, I was going to say is it's very clear that, you know. And a lot of people try and talk about, well, he originally wanted and he didn't want that to be, you know, and, you know, what were his original vision for that, which I think is – I think that's what whatever really you, annoys me about Star Wars fans. But, you know, whatever well, it that's is – Well, that's what annoys me about George Lucas, but I'm sure we'll talk yeah, about that at some point. What, whatever it is, I mean, he's – he's a, Tarkin is the real villain of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, uh Darth Vader is his right hand, you know, in a way. And, you know, effectively, you know, yeah, he's he's the he's the second scarier villain. Now, of course, Darth Vader becomes the one who, you know, it, it was definitely the right choice for this to be, you know, him kind of becoming the main villain of the series. But, you know, well, that's what I think. I, that's why I think, you know, the the other two movies, especially Empire Strikes Back and Return of the yeah. Jedi you know, they were making sequels to Star Wars. Yes. And so, you know, when they were making this movie, Star Wars didn't exist yet. I mean, I know that sounds like sort of a fast no, thing I know to you, say, yeah. but, or a tautology, but it's really true. They they didn't know what would resonate with people. And, and so, you know, Darth Vader doesn't have that much screen time. Darth Vader does seem like a second fiddle to Tarkin. You know, it, it, the movie feels episodic and small. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting things. I mean, I think they do jettison a lot of... Uh, uh, what makes the original Star Wars uh, feel more distinctive in Empire Strikes Back? Because I think Empire Strikes Back is much more of a movie, which we'll talk about next week. Yeah, but um, know, it, but Star Wars again, it's 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 almost a, a it's almost a sense memory of a movie as opposed to a movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's again, you have all these. I guess when you say it's a, you know, yeah, it. it, it it's small, and yet it feels like it has more room to breathe because. It's a movie that doesn't 100% have a main hero. I mean, yes, Luke, you know, is the hero of the trilogy, but, I mean, 
the droids are our focal, you know, from the beginning. And, you know, if R2D, you know, R2D2 is one of the main, most important characters in this movie, you know, Princess Leia, as much as, you know, she's the kidnapped girl in the stress, she still has a fairly active role in the plot. I mean, I, we will I talk mean, about it. Han yeah. Solo is, the you know, one of the coolest characters, and he does a lot, too. You know, you're focused on him for that. On the main villain side, I mean, it's just a... It feels like it feels more like a story that's happening as opposed to a movie where the screenwriter look. All right, we need a hero that the audience can identify with. He needs a love interest. You know, we're gonna give him a sidekick. Here's the villain. You know, it, it doesn't feel like it was done with that Hollywood process in mind as much. Well, I think that. Well, I mean, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with you, but I think that that you know, uh, uh, in a sense hero and protagonist are not synonymous. And so I think that, that you could make a really strong argument that Leia is the hero of the movie. Yeah. Uh, But I also think that you can make the argument that, that the movie doesn't need a hero or that it has, because the movie doesn't really have, it doesn't really have a villain. I mean, the villain is in a, in a real sense, the villain is the empire and the hero are the rebels. And so, and and that's, and that kind of goes as well with the sort of, of, of sort of broader scope of the movie, because the characters are not as important in this movie as no. as what they're doing. Yeah, and they take again, yeah, yeah, the characters do take roles, you know, the, you know, Luke Skywalker is the, you know, naive, you know, guy who begins to, you know, learn of his destiny, you know, Leia is the young leader of the rebellion who, you know, gets a setback and then, you know, comes back stronger and, you know, Banish, you know, Han Solo is the greedy swashbuckler with who, a heart of gold who learns. Well, yeah, you know, and Obi- all of Obi Wan is the wizard. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, and all of those things. Yeah, so, um, but you know, yeah, hero and protagonist are. You're, it's true, they're a different thing. You know, it's Luke because he's the most. He's the most like us, frankly. Um, in that true, he's the relatable one. Yeah, he, you know, in, in that you know, he's not living any particularly adventuresome life. You know, just as much of us are, and you know, we all want to get out of our town. You know, and do something exciting and that happens. Um, I mean, and he does go through the most character change in the movie, you know, but it, it does always crack me up at the, at the end of the movie when suddenly he's flying like a, a rebel ship. Yeah. Like, How the hell did that even happen? Like, were, like, they, like, the, were they that, uh, you know, you get the sense that they're, they're that desperate, like every pilot in the, you know, everybody who can pilot a thing, you know, even if he's not, you know, I mean, maybe it's a little cynical, but I mean, you know, he's an extra target and an extra chance, even if they don't necessarily believe in him. You know, having more people go at this thing is not going to be a bad thing. And of course, he he needs to be there because yes. the, the, one of the stories of the movie is his development from uh, 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 from just a person to to sort of like discovering who he is and yeah. his hero and, you know, use the force and all that kind of stuff. And and you know I also you know it's funny because I think it's it's also really interesting that that Darth Vader is is flying um, a fighter yeah. at the end of the movie because I also think that that factors into how Darth Vader doesn't feel like the big bad of the of the movie you know he just kind of feels like another guy in a sense I mean he's again he's very visually distinctive but he is also putting himself in in danger he's just kind of you know and it's it's a weird well, you thing you know yeah the scene when he's going you know and all of the generals are sitting down you know tarkin the, is not going to be flying a yeah. fighter um the whole you know your sad devotion to that religion you know i find your faith lack of faith you know that whole thing he's set very separate from the people who are actually making the decision he may you know yeah. you get this it's almost like darth vader is the most badass soldier in the entire fleet you know and he's gone through all these battles, you know, and he has, he's, you know, the emperor trusts him 100% and, you know, well, we don't even be, know that the emperor exists, he's right? Me- he's barely mentioned, but, uh, yeah. very briefly. And it's really incidental, you know, um, the point is, you know, yeah, he, you know, Darth Vader doesn't appear to be someone who's actually making orders and commanding people. He's just the most, you know, promoted soldier at that point. He's the guy. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's the guy. You know, he has so much leeway because he is the guy. Maybe he is more powerful than most of the generals, but he doesn't have their rank. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's that makes an interesting contrast to, to the character of Obi Wan too, of course, because I don't know the the, the Force, and I mean the Force obviously is a very important thing to Star Wars as as a general rule. Yeah, and it is kind of one of the things that is defining about it. But in this 
movie especially we don't really know what it is we don't get a good it, it, it is whatever it needs to be it's uh, yeah and, it, it, it manifests itself as almost you know psychic powers is kind of how it yeah and, you know and, it, it's telepathy it's the ability to speak after the dead it's the ability it's very clear clairvoyance and some you know light mind control and that's about it that's why I think it's so it's so weird that that Darth Vader is playing second fiddle to Tarkin and second fiddle to a lot of the characters yeah. in this movie because Obi-Wan I don't know when Obi-Wan comes into the movie I think the movie suddenly feels a lot more vibrant and a lot yes. more dynamic. I mean part of that of course is Alec Guinness is amazing but and he hated it and he was awesome. Imagine if he liked the role. I know. <laughs> but but you know it's it's he is in a different movie. Like <laughs> He's he he knows what's happening. You get a, and part of it is just he's he's a really good actor and he's doing a really good job of of getting across the idea that he has a backstory that we have no idea what it is, but he knows what it is and he's not going to really tell Luke what it is yeah. because Luke frankly doesn't need to know, and also that he's he's ready to die, you know? And yeah. so it really does make him, I mean, you know, obviously it's a, it's a heroic sacrifice towards the end of the movie when he, I don't disappears. I, yeah. I, does something. Goes... And you know, and that's the thing, like I know later movies will go into that, but I think it's just, you know, unexplained. It's just so much more mysterious, you know, and it adds so much more to, well, who was this guy? You and know? also frankly that, that, you know, it's interesting that, Darth Vader is set up to to use the force. I think does that scene that scene comes about where he's choking the guy. Yeah. Does that come after the introduction of Obi-Wan or before? Oh no, it's 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 much after. Um I Yeah, because then we suddenly realize oh Darth Vader uses the force. Then Obi-Wan well, yeah, it's, is, it's, it's, Obi-Wan is actually the one who's introducing all these ideas, which is interesting because it, it paints the Force as a good thing, number one, right? Because yeah. if, these, well, if he, these ideas were being introduced by Darth Vader, then it would be painting it as a bad thing. But uh, uh, I, I believe Obi-Wan does you know, say that you know Darth Vader had the Force as well, and then he betrayed your father. And well, you, yeah, he does. I mean, yeah. that's the that's so point. Is he yeah. is, that, is, that is the definition of it, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the canonical representation of the Force, that it's a good thing and that it, you can be sort of turned against it or whatever yes. right and it's also interesting that at the towards the end of the movie when when the battle between obi-wan and 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 darth vader happens and they both have lightsabers and we're like ah, you know um darth vader is actually painted out to to be a lesser use of the force because when obi-wan disappears darth vader doesn't understand what happened yeah and he's he's like pawing at his the, yeah. yeah he's pawing at at his robes on the ground with his foot like what the fuck just yeah. happened and so I think that's also a really interesting use of of you know it's it's a visual way to tell us that Darth Vader doesn't exactly know what's going on either no you know it, it, the time spent between movies all of the characters level up and Darth Vader is no exception mm-hmm. yeah I mean let's talk about Leia though because you know she's. I, I think we, we, we nudged upon this. This is very much a work of its time. I mean, yeah. now, now one of the things I think, you know, uh, we said like Star Trek is about something in the way that Star Wars isn't. Um, given, now, Star Wars later, uh, you know, always has a it, – Star Wars could have a lot more racial and, you know, gender diversity than it does. Well, sure. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons I actually really liked the Knights uh, of the Old Republic video games is because they kind of run with that, you know. Yeah they, they, yeah. they just, you know, you have different characters of different, you know, genders, race, species, you right. know, what age and everything, you know, as would make sense in this, you know, this is a this is a very creaturey, you know, universe, frankly. Um so yeah, it's of that time, you know, Star Trek meanwhile wants to make very specific points about diversity. As we said, it's it, it it's cast is always a little bit more integrated than society generally was showing at that point. Yeah. Um particularly in original series, you know, era. But um yeah, uh Leia does ha- take a bit more active of a part. I wouldn't say she is damseled in this movie, you know. I I think she's certainly captured, but, you know. Well, to a certain degree she is and to a certain degree yes. she's not, of course, because, you know, she is the prote- she is the, yeah. the catalyst for the action of the entire movie. You know, she is the one kicking it off. 
but she's also kicking it off by asking for help from an old white dude. You know, yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, she's she's able to kick ass when she needs to, but she also needs Luke to rescue her. Like, yeah. and you know, so there's, it, it's a fine line here. I mean, I think that Leia has, has more agency than a lot of female characters would in this type of movie otherwise, but also she doesn't. Yeah. I mean, the, here's the thing, you know, the other thing is she is the only female character in the movie. And yeah. And, and so we have no one, re- you know, I think it's great that, you know, yes, you know. And what is her defining characteristic early on? Hair. Luke, sa- Luke says that she's, she's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, that's the very first. No, and obviously, you know, going where, you know, she sort of is a love interest for him, sort of isn't. You know, they they have some slight flirting. It's not really a, I mean, that seems almost as much to, well, we won't, we don't want to bog down the movie with kissy stuff, you know, rather than. You know, yeah, because I mean, to a large degree, I mean, you know, I always make jokes about about Star Trek sort of adolescent view of, of adult sexuality. But I think to a lot, you know, to a large degree, I think that's Star Wars problem, too. But that's OK, because I think that Star Wars, you know, and maybe this is going to be a controversial statement, but I think that it was, if not designed for children, it's, it's no. much more of a childish. No, I always thought it thing. was again, I thought it was always intended to be a kid's movie, but or, you know. You know, I think if you're an adult, you can watch it and remember the stuff you watched as a kid and still like it, still appreciate it. But I mean, if you if you look at it from the point of view of again, this is George Lucas translating the serials he loved as a child yeah. into something. That's obviously what he's doing. Yeah, he's, he's he's making something that children of that age would love, and of yeah. course, children do love Star Wars. Yeah. Whereas you know, once cast and get involved, gets involved and directs and co-writes The Empire Strikes Back, you know, it becomes a much more adult thing. Yeah, and then of course, The Empire or Return of the Jedi kind of goes in you know half half. Star Wars direction and and half Empire Strikes Back direction, uh, but a lot of Muppets. There are a lot of Muppets. Um, but but you know, Leia is Leia becomes a much more interesting character, I think, as the movie goes along. Yeah. But at the same time, she is very hamstrung by the events, and she is very reliant on the male characters to get where she needs to be. Yeah, and like I said, because she's the only female character in the movie. You know, it would be one thing if we're saying, well, you know, this is a Star Trek has, you know, Dr. Crusher relying on Picard. But it's very clear because everybody has different skill sets and they're going to be better at different things. And, you know, because they're all friends who care about each other, they're allowed, you know, to do that. And, you know, it never feels like, you know, Crusher is lesser for, you know, asking Picard for help because he asks her just as many times. Again, we have a whole seven seasons for that to breathe in. But, you know it doesn't necessarily mitigate, you know, it doesn't feel as much of a cooperation, you know? Yeah. But I mean, you know, and, and the, the movie, that's why I think the movie sort of, it, 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 it's half stepping in and half stepping out of Leia as an, as an actor in her own movie. Because of course she, she does. But again, it's almost, it's almost in that sort of very, you know, male way of saying all the boys are fighting, you know, the boys are fighting and the woman has to figure out what to do. So it's almost like, yeah, she's, you know, because the thing I'm thinking of specifically is, is, is when she takes the action to get them out of the the cell when, you know, stormtroopers are shooting at them. Some rescue, someone has to save us. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's almost like, you know, it's that very sort of like, I think it is, it's not misogynistic, but I do think it's a little bit of a, of a, uh, a facile sort of oh well the women have to clean up the boys mess again you know what I mean that kind of thing mm. as opposed to her actually being an actor in her own in her own story in a sense yeah she's half of an act she's more of an actor than I think the again I haven't really seen so many of the 40 serials so I but I get the sense she's more of an actor than she you know because let's face it you know she does you know even if she is asking an old white man for help you know at the very moment that her ship is being overwhelmed, she figures out how to secret the plans away and, you know, get a message to yeah. somebody who yeah. is, frankly, she is very aware that in 10 minutes she's going to be a prisoner. You know, there, there, there is only so much that she's going to be able to do. While she is a prisoner, she resists torture. She refuses to give any actual information. Yeah. You know, she holds out and, you know, doesn't really, you know— as terrified as she is, you know, of Tarkin, you know, and stuff like that, she does, you know, she does her damnedest to make, you know, them aware. She does all, she does everything but spit at them, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. and, you know, when she is rescued, she does have a part in, you know, getting them actually out of there once she realizes 
how kind of half-baked their plan was for that. Yeah. You know, she is seen as being, you know, leading her resistance cell and getting everybody into the positions they need to be. That's a skill. You know, like, that's the thing. You know, we, we, you know, she's not helpless and she's not incompetent. If there could have been, if she could have done more, you know, yes, that's unfortunate. I think that's probably a good way to, 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 to view her. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's also, I think, you know, the, the thing that you touched on about how there's no real romance in this movie, I think is also a step towards that as well, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of the problem with a lot of movies is that they do sort of make women uh, uh, out to be objects in a real way. And and this movie, I think she's not the reward, you know, at the end, she gives them the reward of the medal, but you know, I mean, let, let's face the final image of that. She is standing in the very middle at the highest position. You know, she's the goddamn princess, and she's honored her heroes. Ex- you know, yeah, exactly. that's you know, she she isn't rewarded with a kiss in the end. And what you know, eventually, obviously, Han so spoilers, Han Solo and Leia get together. But you know, well, she's not sexualized in this movie. No. I don't think I mean, you know, and I think that that's an no. interesting way to look at it. I mean, yes, she is sort of side. You know, she is sort of sidestep sometimes, but she's not a sexualized object. I know the way which that- is. You know, maybe damning with faint praise, but, but you know, I know the way that you know the co- you know her costume in Return of the Jedi. You know, this the Leia slave costume. You know, Carrie Fisher. I knew hated that, and I read an interview when she said, "You know, second I saw that costume, I thought, all right, that's what this movie is." You know, and yeah, she was very disappointed that they were taking the character to that point. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But well, we can talk about that in two weeks. Yeah, um, and then you know you have Han, you have Han Solo who. I don't think is actually that interesting, at least not in Star Wars. You know, he's obviously a, not a bad guy, but he's sort of a rogue, and you know, and <laughs> he's a Kana. Oh God, he is. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I mean, but you know, really, it's Han Solo is played by Harrison Ford in one of his first primes because you know Harrison Ford tends to look really good every ten years. You know, sure, yeah. Um, you know, but. You know, being very funny and snarky and, you know, he has this Wookiee and he's, you know, a boasty pilot, you know, and at the end he comes through. Han Solo is like the cool older brother character. I think that's a good way to look at it, yeah. He is not a major character in the film, you know. He, he, maybe he has more screen time than Darth Vader, but, you know, I I don't think it's until later movies that he really comes into his own. I think so, too. I mean, to to a large degree, I think Han Solo suffers from something that all of the characters in this movie suffer from, which is they're not people. Yes, yes, he's filling a role. And I think that that, that once, you know, George Lucas realized that he... I mean, I don't know a lot of the backstory of Star Wars. I mean, people say, oh, he made episode four first because he knew that if he made episode one, it wasn't going to get a sequel or something. I, I, yeah. And it's like, well, did he actually have the Phantom Menace written in 1975? I really hope not. Cause <laughs> it's terrible, but whatever, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't see that being, yeah. The case, you know, is it but, the kind of thing where, you know, he originally had, you know, this saga in mind, you know, yes, maybe he had a general outline of, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think we're talking about like a J. Michael Straczynski no. sort of Babylon Five style thing here. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe there is. I don't there know. There wasn't I mean, a, you know, he didn't spend a year, coming up with a schematic before he started writing, you know, episode four. It's not I, like, well, I don't know. Maybe he did. I uh, I really have no idea if he did or not. I mean, it seems obvious that, that while things don't completely line up in, in, in a, in a, in a, effective way it is obvious that he knew that Darth Vader was Luke's father and that you know things like that were obviously planned out in advance and you know it was by the grace of God that Star Wars was such a massive hit and you know he was able to make the sequels yeah I guess I guess you know but the the way it shows is you know maybe he had this larger idea in mind but you know you know what we know of as Star Wars and New Hope is the most standalone and if it was just going to be a one-off you know this is a fine one-off yeah, I think that's true, but I also, you know, I think that's why some of George Lucas's later creative decisions to to change Star Wars are so aggravating because, yeah. you know, one of the things that I actually do have an opinion on, I mean, I don't have an opinion on much of the changes just because, I mean, I think they're not very good, but aside from that, I don't really have much of an opinion on them, but... You know, I do think that the the whole, you know, hand shooting first thing is actually really important because, you know, George Lucas, I think, in Star Wars was much more comfortable with making characters that were not entirely good and not entirely perfect. And then later on, once Star Wars became such a legit cultural phenomenon, he felt some sort of, 
I don't know if it was responsibility. I don't know hmm. if it was guilt. I don't know what it was, but I think that that he sort of felt a responsibility to to make all of the Star Wars characters as squeaky clean as possible. Well, I would say it's more of a. I don't know. It, 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 it's one one of the things that I you know noticed that I didn't before is you know the bit when they're by the you know the bridge and you know he gets the grappling hook and all of that. Um, you know, Leia is shooting off stormtroopers at that point. Um, you know, and she hits a few of them, and you know, all of them shoot stormtroopers at some point. So you know, yeah, you know, Luke blows up a couple of small ships. They destroy. You know, I mean, uh, Clerks has made, had a lot of fun with you know talking about the innocent lives killed in the dark, you know, and on the Death Star and all of that. But, you know, yeah, these are people with blood on their hands. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, when the original movie is made, you know, we can all just see, you know, this is a theme I think about in video games a lot about, um, you know, we're we're not supposed to read it as actual people were killed on when the Death Star exploded, you know, but... As time goes on, you know, and especially as people joke about it more and stuff, well, then th- those implications become more obvious. Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't care. You know, and that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, the, no, I, 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 I'm with you. I, I, I'm just trying to find a reasoning behind it. Because I, you know, I think that that's that's indicative of the problem with people that really like Star Wars is that they, they, they do feel uncomfortable with that kind of thing. Whereas if you just, I mean, I look at Star Wars as entertainment, and I don't yeah. look at it as anything that's it's not making any grand moral pronouncements and it's, it's not painting any of these characters out to be real people. And so to me, it's like, eh, whatever. I mean, you know, you're looking at a, you're looking at a narrative, which is very, very focused on good versus evil, you yeah. know, empire versus rebels. I mean, you know, these are very, very, you can't get more, more charged words in the English language, I think while well, you can, but we can't say them because it would be wrong. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, for to say, well, there were all these innocent people dying on the yeah. Death Star and stuff. It's like, uh, who cares? You know, I mean, I think that that, you know, that's why, again, I think that that's sort of a. To put it, I mean, maybe to put too fine a point on it, I think that that's an impulse that George Lucas was falling into yeah. when he decided to make some of those changes to the to the movie. I, I mean, mean, put it this way, even the movie, you know, with can't, the, can't, even the movie without the changes has a bunch of. You know, Leia's entire planet gets blown up, and, you know, she's only upset for a scene. You know, uh, Luke loses his aunt and uncle, his foster parents, and he loses oh, his yeah. mentor, and he's, only, he's not that broken up about it. And then you see all these people, well, after the movie and the adrenaline rush run off, they had scenes of them grieving, you know? And it's like... I'm sure they did, but, you know, we, we're not interested in watching that. That's not the point no. of what this is. Again, you know? this is a big bang zoom action, you know, serial. But a very well done one, but that's what it is at heart. Yeah, and that's but that's I think, I think that's one of my other problems with you know why the whole thing about Han shooting Greedo first and then oh no Greedo shot Han and blah 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 you know and the, you know part part of it is like the the changes to that scene are done so half acidly with like yeah. you know Han Solo uh, uh, digitally being made to dodge the thing. It's like you know it's just so terrible. Uh, it's obviously uh, a, a way for George Lucas to assuage some sort of guilt about something. And, and you know, the other thing, of course, it is like the one character in the movie that really does have some kind of actual character arc is Han Solo. And they completely, you know, George Lucas decides in the, in the special editions to completely rob him mm. of that. You know, uh, uh, Han Solo is not an unmitigated good guy at the beginning of the movie. I don't think he's an unmitigated good guy at the end of the movie. I think that he's a flawed character that is making decisions right yeah and, and he's he's making difficult decisions and maybe making decisions that feel uncomfortable to him this may be the first altruistic decision he's made in a very long time you know it doesn't ne- you know it makes it, it, makes, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean he's completely changed you know right. he's, still, he's still gonna live above the law you know he's still gonna uh, uh, smuggle. He's still gunning, you know, kill people if he thinks they're going to kill him. And know? that's, and again, you know, watching him murder that alien in cold blood is, is another, you know, that, that really does make his decision at the end of the movie that much more meaningful, yeah. you know, and, and taking that away from him, um, robs the character and robs the, that, that change of heart of his to come and, you know, with the Millennium Falcon and ride into, you know, and save the day yeah. or whatever is, is, is much less impactful because of that change, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, I think that's the most I'll ever get worked up about Star Wars. That's okay. 
but yeah, I think that you know, you know, looking as it as a, as a whole, I think that that Star Wars is it's a it's a good movie. I think yeah. I think it's a weird movie. I think that that you know, looking at it as a cultural phenomenon, I think it's it's obvious why it was such a, a, yeah. a big hit. Uh, I think that I can definitely see why people like it so much. I can see, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's the kind of movie you can watch with your kids. Well, you can watch it with your parents. You can, you know. It's a movie that I've never, any time, you know, if it's on, I'll watch it. You know, I, I, it's a very, it's a very watchable movie. You know, no matter, again, no matter how many times I've seen it, I still like it. But there are always parts to the movie that I don't, I kind of zone out a little bit. Oh, like yeah. the whole, the whole stuff on the Death Star where they're trying to rescue Leia and stuff. I'm just kind of like, But eh. that's okay in a way. Well, it is because it's episodic and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's also, it again, it's a movie that I'm so comfortable with that, you know, last night was the probably the last time I paid, uh, the first time I paid strict attention to it, you know. Yeah. Maybe ever, because, you know, as a kid, when you watch it, it's just kind of on, you know, you're, when you're a kid watching a movie, you don't really watch the movie, it's just kind of in the background and you, like, absorb some of it, you know. Right. And it's a kind of movie that works very well for this. Oh, this is the part when this happened. Oh, I'm going to watch this part because this is when the let the Wookiee win be, you know, scene is. Oh, this line's coming up. Oh, I really want to see the Cantina part, you know. Yeah. It's really good for that. Well, and that's the thing too. I mean, we haven't even talked about a lot of like the set pieces. I mean, the 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 makeup is amazing in this movie and I think that, you know, it gets a lot of credit for I think the the, the alien design is yeah. great and you know the cantina scene is 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 obviously one of the 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 I mean it's hard to talk about I mean I don't think there's anything that we could even say about it that would be unique it's because... just a bunch of cool aliens and the part when they're on the sand crawler with all the cool robots like that's a that's a similar scene for me too you know yeah. And, you know, I think, but, you, you know, again, I mean, the whole droid stuff, I mean, you know, I, I don't know that I necessarily want to get into this, but, of course, there is a weird undercurrent of, like, droids and slaves. Oh, and, like, yeah, like the Jawas so, are slave traders. Yeah, so there's a lot of weird stuff in the movie that, again, you know, I don't think you're supposed to look at this objectively. I don't think you're supposed to to really sort of extrapolate out a lot of this to its logical conclusion because, to a large degree, again, this is just yeah. a science fiction action adventure serial. And, you know... Whether or not the later movies want us to take them seriously and engage with them as works of art, I think that Star Wars knows what it is. Yeah. It 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 does a really good job of it. I think it's probably one of the finest versions of this movie that's yes. ever been made or ever will be made. I don't feel like that, you know, when, when we're talking about the thing that's, you know, spawned all of this, I don't think it was a word. You know, it, 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 it's like... You know, when somebody that you like, you know, gets a really good job or, you know, wins a lot of money or something like it, it's like good for him. Well, for this movie, I feel good for it. You know? Yeah, 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 I think so. You know, and, and, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about George Lucas when we when we talk yeah. about the other movies. But, you know, for, for what, you know, if this was, it, you know, George Lucas has famously said that, that Star Wars was, I don't know, 10% of what he envisioned or something, which fr- frankly is probably bullshit. But, you know, <laughs> like... For for whatever whatever faults he has, whatever weird decisions he's made over the past you know thirty five forty years, you know after this was made, uh, he did he did revolutionize this type of story. He yeah. did revolutionize filmmaking to a large degree. I mean, he definitely revolutionized special effects. There would not be a Star Trek the motion picture, I don't think, without Star Wars. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of the backstory with, with Star Trek in the seventies and it's, you know, decade in the wilderness and, you know, now it's kind of its second decade in the wilderness, but you know, they're, they're to a large degree, Star Trek was very influenced and, and its trajectory was changed, I think irrevocably by the, um, success of Star Wars. Star Wars made sci-fi that much more mainstream. And while, you know, it's certainly, Science fiction in the 80s wasn't to where it is, you know, now, for example, although, you know, we have more superhero and stuff, you know, being popular. But, um, yeah, uh, it certainly made it more, a little more fashionable. And, and, you know, that frankly, whether Star Trek the motion picture was a good idea or not, you know, that eventually paved the way to next generation. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and, you know, whether or not Star Wars actually gets this TV show they keep talking about. I mean, you know, there's there's ways in which Star Wars is almost patterning itself off, you know, what Star Trek did. Well, the two again, the two of I mean, them, this is, the this... two of them have a very strong. I mean, they're they're writing the same. They're writing and creating each other's currents, really. I think so. And I think that, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, where Star Trek is right now, just being a movie franchise, whereas Star Star Wars has had 
uh, 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 you know, new movies now, and it's got TV shows, and it's got TV shows in the works, and it, there's there's this like vibrancy to it now. Um, I've, I mean, I've had conversations like this with other people, and I think I've said this on the podcast before. And I, you know, when when we did a, a special episode with with Larry Nemechek um, a couple months ago, you know, we talked about this where you know he makes the argument that that Star Trek was doing this sort of like integrated universe stuff, yeah. you know, a long time before anybody else did. You know, there was TV stuff, there was movie yeah. stuff, they were going back and forth, and you know, there was a world, there was a continuity here, and you know, for all of its uh, uh, achievements, I think that. Star Wars, again, as we started out talking about at the beginning of this episode, for a long time was three movies and that was it. And there, that was all there was. And now that Star Wars is becoming more of this big thing, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. I'm excited. All right. I'm not that excited, though, because I probably won't be able to understand anything that's going on in the new movie. But there we go. <laughs> I'm sure you will. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Well, if uh, you have any thoughts on uh, this new idea, what we're doing, or this episode in general of the podcast, please leave a comment on the post uh, for this episode at trekaboutshow.com. Our social media username is trekaboutshow, where you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Mm. And if you are a longtime listener and have not yet given us a review on iTunes, or if you're a new person finding this for the first time uh, uh, through the Star Wars conversation, uh, we would like a review, please. Thank you. Next week on Trek About Presents, we're going to talk about The Empire Strikes Back, which probably isn't much of a surprise. And also listen to this week's Trek About. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.